Let us pray. Gracious living God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this opportunity to gather. We give you thanks for your word. God, guide us that we may be faithful interpreters of you, that we may hear you clearly. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome to a Zoom-tastic edition of Scripture Talk. Um, I am Pastor Trey Comstock. With me as ever, let's see if they can do this without me pointing at them. Let's see if they've internalized the order. Go, friends! Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchot. And on the ones and twos, Stacy Tyler. Fantastic. Oh, we've grown so much. Um, this is Scripture Talk. Uh, we apologize that we are doing this in the Zoom format. I have the flu, I think. Um, I don't think it's the Rona, but I haven't tested yet. Um, either way, um, although my thermometer very recently told me that I was dead. Um, so I don't know what's up, um, but I was running a temp and whatever. I'm and telling so, you, you're a robot overlord. That's what it is. I mean, I have, you know, my my closest acquaintances have often suspected that I am some cross between a Vulcan and a Klingon. Um, but I, but I don't know, I, I don't know Star Trek lore well enough to tell you what temperatures their bodies normally run. I can't do that though. Um, okay. Anyway, so I am unwell. That's why we are doing this on zoom out an abundance of caution. And frankly, because it works. We should be Lord willing and the Crick don't rise. We should be back in the studio. The studio has been uh, getting some upgrades, um, in the past week or so. Um, and so, uh, get excited friends. It's going to look pretty cool. Our, in here our the podcast next time. adventure Coming. continues in 2022. Yeah. We're, we're getting a new camera angle. We've upgraded some capture equipment. Um, studio a is uh, growing in complexity. Anyways, um, this is not <laughs> well, after a uh, start day. We may be having an anniversary coming up. Huh? So no. Yeah. So we launched in the fall. That's right. Uh, we're coming up, um, on the anniversary of theology on tap. Um, yeah. we're coming right. up on three years of theology on tap. Um, which uh, I know because I'm running out of icebreaker questions. Three years of icebreaker questions is a lot of icebreaker questions. Um, and I'm constantly worried that I'm repeating myself. But um, we are coming up on the fourth anniversary of me and Trey being yeah. at Grace Church. Yeah, uh, um, end of June uh, will be four years for me, for Stacy and I both. Um, anyways, our uh, scripture this evening um, is the Transfiguration. It is kind of the climax of this sermon series that we've been on. It is Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 43a. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came over, came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. On the next day, they had come down from the mountain. A great crowd met him. 
Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seized him, and all at once he shrieks. It throws him into convulsions until he foams in the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I beg your I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the greatness of God. So I like this scripture, and I, 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 I picked it this way. You could just cut it off halfway through, and you could just tell the story of the transfiguration. And that tells something. Transfiguration is where they go up the mountaintop, and Jesus' face shines, and you see Moses and Elijah, and the voice of God, Morgan Freeman, and you hear Morgan Freeman, and it's great, right? Um, and you can shut it off there, and that's a scripture, and, and uh, certainly there is a lot you can learn just from looking at the transfiguration. But I really enjoyed pairing it with what comes next, right? Because yeah. what comes next is Jesus goes straight from the transfiguration, this literal high point, down into the nitty-gritty of very frustrating ministry, right? So immediately he's confronted um, with an extreme demon encounter and the utter disappointment that is the disciples sometimes. I love Jesus like, you perverse generate, you what? How much longer are you going to realize y'all don't need me to do this, right? Like, <laughs> you don't need me. I, you know, I, I am not Jesus, but sometimes I do have those thoughts as a pastor, right? It's just like, look, y'all, y'all don't need me to do that. Anytime, like, not anytime, but like, um, so I don't always, I, for years, I don't make it to pray at Wednesday night worship for Wednesday night dinner because I'm finishing prep or whatever. And we're Protestants. You don't need me to pray. Um, and spiritually, oh, do you want to pray? It's like, no, I mean, fine, I'll do it. Uh, but y'all are perfectly capable of praying without me. And so I have those kind of thoughts. You perverse generation. When are you going to realize you can do this on your own? Um, and so Jesus, I, I, he can take care of it. Right. Um, and so I, I paired these two things. The, the lectionary does, but I could throw it out if I wanted to, and I didn't. Um, because I, you see what was Jesus was transfigured to do, right? And you see the counter to Peter's like, hey, let's build the joke I always tell about this one. Hey, let's build a retreat center up here. This is great. Let's build a retreat center. Um, and Jesus says, no. That's not the purpose. And now you see what he was chosen to do. You see his purpose. You see why he is sent, why he has given all this power and why he gives all this power to us that we are, we, he is transfigured and we are transformed by him um, to dig in and do the real work. Um, that they go straight from this mountaintop experience down deep into the messy work of ministry. You know, um, there's a great comment in here that says, Everything in the Bible is like, but wait, there's more. Yes. No matter where you're at, the high points, the low point, it just keeps rolling. This train right. keeps going. And we had this wonderful thing where you've got Moses and Elijah and everybody scholarly is like, why was it those two? Maybe it represented the, the law and the prophets. We really don't know. That's just who was know. there because that's who God wanted to show up there. And Well, it and certainly riddle, is it, like... If you think about talking to, trying to talk to Second Temple Judaism, right? Like these are yeah. the two people that ended up really a big deal, 
right? Um, like Moses is obvious, right? The Bible, the Old Testament tells you that Moses is a really big deal. The Old Testament doesn't necessarily tell you that Elijah is a huge deal. But by the time the New Testament rolls around, Elijah had become a big deal. Um, so from like, I don't know necessarily if that was like, you know, God recognizing Elijah or God realizing that Elijah had a lot of meaning for this particular culture at this particular time and pulling Elijah in. Well, yeah. That's what I was think. Go ahead. That's what I was, I'm sorry, that's what I was think why Moses and Elijah showed up because Jesus is the representation of the law and the prophets. And yes. they yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, they're discussing his, his destiny that he's going to fulfill uh, scripture through his death and resurrection. And yeah, they, they got to show up to have a discussion about that. But what I want to make a comment on about the disciples, bless their hearts, they should have took that, yeah, God love them. They should have took that experience they got from the mountaintop and used that to heal that boy. I mean, where did they miss that mark? Well, or it, there was, you know, there, go ahead, Scott. The, the, I, was, I was gonna say that in some ways, the reading of it, it was the other disciples. It was the other ones, yeah, yeah. The the, the Peter and um, James and John. John. Peter, James, and John were up there, uh, the three musketeers. And so they come down after, you know, Peter's, yeah, let's make the retreat center. And they've been up there. The other ones weren't. They were still down there doing the work. And in some ways, it's like we we, we think, well, they come from the high point. Why didn't the others had had? Not to right. this what you were saying. The others had had many high points with Jesus uh-huh. had seen many things. This, if I'm remembering correct, is after the 70 were sent out and come back, uh, if I remember the order of things. And so they've been out and have done uh, ministry and seen healings. And so, it, uh, yeah, it comes to that whole little, you know, why, why weren't they able to? And that's kind of the his frustration, not just so much of like, you're, you're, you're still not quite getting it, which I think is part of the reason for those that were transfigured, that they needed to see Jesus as he's talking about going to his death to try to help them get it, that he has to go through that and not to be shaken. But we, we see, because we're on this end of it, that they really didn't get it until after the resurrection. So, so is there, so, so is there ahead, a possibility, is there a possibility that maybe, uh, that, you know, the, like you said, they had an opportunity. They knew how to do it, but they let Christ do it. Is there a possibility that maybe they were just like they had a common courtesy for the Lord? Just let, well, no. Let, so let the Lord handle I, it. You know, I see what you're saying, and but earlier in that chapter in chapter nine is the mission of the 12. So chapter nine opens with, then Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not an extra, not even an extra tunic, whatever house you stay, you enter, stay there and leave from there, whatever they, Wherever they do not welcome you as you are leaving, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing good news and curing diseases everywhere. So this is like like 30 verses earlier, right? This yeah. has just happened. Um, mm-hmm. This, op- yeah, that is, what I just read is uh, one through six, and we picked up this evening at what, 28? Um, yeah. So we're not that de- we're not that detached from Jesus literally looking at them and saying, "Okay, um, here is the power. Here is the authority. 
Go do the it, friends. The power is yours. The power is, yeah, he literally Captain Planet that. I feel like I've done that opener before. I don't remember yeah, where but... we did. I, at some point, I've used the cat, the end, the, uh, I've used Captain Planet, much to the confusion, confusion of our boomers. They Go looked at me Planet. like, what is this? Um, but no. I stand by it. Uh, well, one of the other uh, synoptics uh, has that uh, added section in there of this one that says, you know, and this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. It gives us the idea of always needing to be ready. Yeah. But it, and, and the thing about praying and fasting isn't that it makes God do stuff. It gets us in a place to hear how we need to do what he's telling us to do. And uh, I, I well, think that plays yeah. into here when you're looking at a little bit further. You know, because he says, let these words sink down into your ears for the son of man. Yeah. Is, that's around uh, 44, something like that. Um, you know, that, that's the heart of what Jesus is doing at this point. It's like, no, really, you've got to let this sink in. You need to get a hold of what's going on because time is short. So the disciples basically just got caught with their pants down. And I mean, they they got I mean, they got they ended up in a place where they doubted their own power, I guess. Uh Right. Um, That seems to be uh, what's happening here is that they, um, and this, this is one of the more extreme. I am kind of running in the back of my mind, like the demon possession stories I can think of off the top of my head, but this is certainly one of the more extreme visible examples. And so, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it could well be that they were intimidated or they thought this was beyond them or something to that degree, right? It's not that they didn't care. It's that they thought they couldn't do it. Um, and then Jesus shows not just that he can do it, but his line about you perverse generation, it's like they could have done it if only they believed. Yeah. That, let, me, let me put it back on that because it reminds me of an episode of Constantine with his old girlfriend who is who was a nun he got possessed by a demon to save his life he got shot so he was possessed by a demon and the only way he had to get out is by exorcism so they called on his old girlfriend the nun to do it but she at first didn't believe that she could do it right so constantine's friends you know talked her and you know you could do it you can believe it you can do it and finally she got the book out she got the robe out she did the exorcism and uh, saved Constantine's life. So it depends on, on if you believe that you can do it. And those yeah, disciples, and so, had a, they can do it. Yeah, and so verse 40, I think, gets at that, right? So the verse 40 reads, I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. Not that they would not, right? And, and you know, yeah. a, a exegesis hanging on a one word alone, a little rough, and, and, and right? It, it, so it gives the idea that they attempted, they didn't just ignore it, waiting for Jesus. Right. So, and but but another thing that's important to uh, realize, um, they could, like you were saying, exegesis hanging on one word or one scripture. We don't want to look at this, and then every time you pray for someone for a healing and it doesn't happen, oh well, uh, my faith or your faith must not yeah. be right because God's sovereign, and we're to pray for people, and sometimes it doesn't go the way we're expecting it to, and it right. has nothing to do with anyone's faith. We just don't have all of the cards in play. We don't see it all like God does. Right. But we're also simultaneously, we're also often more powerful than we think we are. If only we will, you know, put our faith in God and understand, (laughs) like, you know, pairing these two scriptures together 
it is understanding that we are, just as Christ is transfigured, we are transformed. And we are transformed to do something, right? We are transformed for the work of God in the world, right? And it is not, it is, I was going to say, it's not for our own benefit. It is partly for our own benefit that we are given the strength and power and salvation, but it is also so that others may come to know it, right? That this is, that this, you know, that's James chapter two. That's this. That's a lot of places where like, you know, that's Pentecost, right? Like the purpose of Pentecost wasn't just for them to feel really good because they received the Holy Spirit. That then what immediately led, they received the Holy Spirit and immediately they're out doing ministry. Anytime you look at these stories, you look at the story of Paul, right? Um, he is transformed. He is transfigured, right? Um, and then immediately he's in ministry those two like this is not just for us to, this is not just for us to go to worship on sunday or go to a retreat or whatever and feel really good that's good wonderful that feel good is supposed to produce something um well yeah and honestly when we look at this though we tend to separate it and and it was we have god's glory in jesus being revealed two different ways the transfiguration mm-hmm. And in the setting of someone free, both yes. is God's glory being revealed. I have an interesting uh, comment here um, from Joe. Fasting is to get our temple ready to receive God like a guest. I think my house needs fasting. Yeah, <laughs> but it is, it is like any of the spiritual disciplines is in part so that we are able to hear right? It doesn't change what God says. Uh-huh. It changes our ability to be tuned into it, right? If you, this is, if you, I guess people still have cars with radios, but like you think about like, it's tuning into the station, right? It's making sure that you have got um, your best chance of hearing what God is doing. God's going to do what God's going to do. God's going to love you whether you fast or not. God's going to speak to you whether you fast or not. The question becomes, it's not about earning it, because that still works righteousness, homie. Um, but it is at least being able to hear it, um, have given yourself the best opportunity to receive what God is pouring out into your life. And, and fasting and praying are the tools to, to get that. Yeah. And, and study and worship and, you know, I, what, what John Wesley would call the means of grace, right? Like this is, um, you know, in, in very good Wesleyan fashion, Wesley would tell you, you know, to take, you know, he is this like great force for take your faith seriously. Um, and that, and, and by that, he means with the, the, the method in Methodist is like actually actively do stuff to go closer to God. That is study. That is, they fasted all the time. That is communion. That is regular worship. That is small group. That is accountability. All of these things um, are leading you to grow closer to God. It doesn't make God love you more, um, but it makes you more tuned in to what God is doing in your life and in the world. And so you are more ready for when God moves. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, in sailing, adjusting the sails so that you catch the wind. The wind is blowing, but it's not going to move your vessel unless you position the sail in the right direction. The wind's going to keep moving. The wind's going to go where it it needs to go. God's a lot like that, and our job is to set the sail so that we catch and move along with that. 
the means of grace or how we get close in the relationship in order to catch the wind of the spirit. This um, is also where, you know, Methodism butts right up against works righteousness and only narrowly manages to dodge it. Right. Like, yeah. you know, the it's, it's all about the sanctification and yeah. getting there, not about the justification, not about salvation. We don't earn it, but nope. yet to become a little bit closer to Jesus, well, we got to work for it. You got to stop acting a fool. That's you right. gotta work for it, right? Like it butts, right? You know. So as as Methodist theologians, let us not forget, and this is why I often we often circle back to it, is we butt up hard against works righteousness. I just don't think we tip over, right? Um <laughs> because you know, we have God's grace moving in your life before you come to salvation. That's prevenient grace. Um, we have justifying grace, which is God's free gift. Um, and then sanctification, God moves first and you are responding to the move of God in your life. And so it's God that enables you to do it at all. Um, but there's still work. There's still work. Yeah. There's still effort involved here. You um, know, um, go ahead, Scott. I, I was just gonna say, it, it's, it's amazing because the reality of it is you, you like, I was, uh, reading and going through, uh, some of the stuff over baptism and, and the idea that it is God's work in this, though it is God's work 100%, there is still something that the pastor and the uh, people and all do. They join in with that. There's the, the community aspect of agreeing to stand with the person who's being baptized, the person who is being baptized, agreeing that this is the, the life and the call they're yeah. going to, the pastor working it out of actually doing the, the baptism, going through the uh, liturgy and all of that. But it's all God's work. He doesn't need us to make any of his grace applied to someone's life. But for whatever reason, he invites us to join the process. Well, and you yeah. see, you see, also see that like in this scripture is that, right? Yeah, exactly. The disciples at the top of chapter nine are invited to be a part of the process. And Jesus' frustration, um, you know, calling them a perverse generation is because they are not using the tools that they have been given, right? Um, this also circles around the, the like, you know, people will often say that healing miracles don't happen anymore. Well, first of all, they do right outright just like person lays hand people get healed those still happen um yep. but also doctors do healing miracles all the time right that 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 maybe the tool sets have changed um but it is still like all it is still often us participating in what god is doing in the world this is the a good like pauline the way paul would talk about this is the what it means to be the body of christ yeah right like, this is the body of Christ, um, that we are an extension of Christ's earthly ministry. I believe I was, uh, uh, received a healing uh, miracle from Christ, you know, like a, where I was four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh -huh. I experienced it. So, I mean, it happens. Yeah. You have a confirmation in there. Uh, yep. I've witnessed. Uh, yep. Healing miracles, and then uh, in regarding to the comments about the wind, sometimes people just enjoy the breeze and forget to pursue it and to use it. I mean, that's Peter, right? And we see that. That's Peter. Oh, dude, let's totally stay here. This is awesome. I am so glad that we got to have this. <laughs> Peter is Dylan tonight. I'm so glad that we got to have this experience. Uh, I love how Peter had no words. Yeah. I think Peter had no words. And like, 
Well, well, I got nothing. So let me... Yeah. I just say it is. Never do it. I mean, it's a power. Clearly, it's a powerful experience. But part of the point and why we jump straight into this healing of the demon is you can't live there, right? Like you have these experiences, these amazing, powerful experiences, but they are meant to bear fruit of ministry in your life, right? They are meant to prepare you for something. Um, that if you are just going to receive and then that is not then bearing fruit, then you've missed the point of receiving, right? Yes, yep. you get to receive um, and it's wonderful. And then you get power in abundance and there's comfort and there's peace and there's all of that. Um, but that is meant to transform your life um, and bear fruit for others in the spirit. You know, um, as, as funny as it is considering where it comes is, it does have some good uh, biblical backing and there are scriptures that back it up. But, you know, uh, one of the famous quotes from Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's, that is scriptural with the, uh, yes. you know, about uh, what you receive and you learn and all of that and what you do with it. There's a responsibility of that to be passed on, to be utilized. Uh, yeah. Warnings about being careful about uh, eagerly wanting to be teachers and such. So, you know, hey, you, the more we learn and the more in touch with the Holy Spirit we get, the more we have a responsibility of not just hoarding that to ourselves, but sharing it with those around us. Uh-huh. Rest in peace, Stanley, by the way. Excelsior. Sure. Um, It's as good a place as any uh, to start to bring the show in for a landing. I do want to just kind of close with reflecting on why God pours so much into us. And I I don't want us to get too down the rabbit hole of just feeling like we are pawns in a great game, because we're not. We are God's beloved children. Um, But like, you know, like a lot of children, we're also called upon to be a part of the family business, right? God does love us and God loves us whether we serve or not. God just loves us and God forgives us whether we serve or not. God just forgives us. What, as we talked about on Sunday, what a remarkable thing that is. But let's not lose sight that part of being in God's family is to be a part of the family business. Um, And in this case, the family business is loving others, right? That we have if we are truly tuned into God, if we've got our wind, you know, sails set right, if we've got the radio dial tuned in, we've got strength and power and abundance. And we are meant to use that abundance um, to do mighty things in the name of God in this world. Um, so that reminds, are, me of a, that reminds me of when you said pawns, uh, the movie Blazing Saddles where Mongo says, Mongo, only pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> I mean, we are small players um, in the great game of life, right? God has billions of children, um, but all of us are beloved and all of us are beloved equally. And that's powerful regardless of how, regardless of what we do, regardless of how we live our lives. I mean, that's Romans 8. It's like nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even our, our own terrible choices. Even if we walk away from God, God still loves us. God just respects our desire to be loved from a distance sometimes. Hey, you know, even if we were like, considered pawns in this all this you know i would take that as a compliment because sure. pawns and the pawns in the chessboard are the most powerful or the most important pieces on the board the if you're good at that. chess which i am not um but i but i don't want to like people often think that that makes us unimportant right uh-huh. um or that we are part of some you know i don't know like it, it, it feels too mechanistic and i don't want it to feel that way yeah um, but it is um, part of why 
God pours into us what God does is so that we will also be inspired to be a part of the family business, right? right. This is not twisting our arm to be a part. This is hopefully we are inspired um, well, to what. be a part of the family what. business of love. As, as, as more as they start digging deeper into the, the universe and everything and finding that, well, so far we haven't found any other life forms yet. Oh, who knows? Uh, it, to us, becomes more and more we are uh, uh, actually significant and not just like insignificant yeah. parts of. I mean, because look, we are the only people so far. That's it. We're all we so know about. Mean, and just because we are small doesn't mean we are insignificant. We are a right. small percent, infinitesimally small percentage of the matter in the universe, right? We're a, right. not even a speck of dust. Um, compared to the great nebulae and the great galaxies and the great superclusters, right? right? But the creator of all that, of the nebulae, of the galaxies, of the, of the superclusters, took the time to come to Earth, to walk among us, to be tortured and killed out of love for you. So, you may be small, but to the infinitely big God, <laughs> pretty important, actually. Hallelujah. Um, Amen. That Amen. is as good a place to end as any. Thank you so much for joining us. It's well, look, it was an on-time episode, um, yeah. even if we are having to do this um, uh, from our home studios. Uh, we will be back, Lord willing, uh, back in the studio together. Um, but I am uh, always uh, thankful <laughs> that we have this opportunity. Breath. Don't hold your breath. Oh, who knows? We'll right, in, like we'll be doing we'll be doing the podcast next week. You're watching uh, like Tim's or something. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Anyways, if you have feedback for the show, you can leave a comment uh, here on Facebook. We're vaguely locked out of our Facebook page in strange ways, but not <laughs> totally. So I don't know. We'll see it somehow. Um, if you want to leave a comment that you know is going to get to us, uh, go on our YouTube channel. You can go to our website, palestinegrace.com slash videos. Uh, you can email me, uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. Um, there's an audio-only version of the show available after the fact to search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And mm -hmm. as advertised, we'll be back one way or another uh, next week, Monday, uh, 6 p.m. Um, I'm always thankful for the live audience in particular. It adds so much to the show um and on that note i also want you to remember to go in peace to love and serve the lord and fear not stay well god is with us okay i'm gonna click this and then i'm gonna click this i did it this is real loud The recording is in progress. That's right. I heard her. The recording. I, I got it. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. Uh, I just had to get Ooh. that in. It's just you very say natural. that a little too cheerfully. I, have I told you all the story about how we programmed the entire disabilities technology lab in grad school to say that? Yeah. Because we were we had to like program like soundboards for people who can't speak, right? So they can just touch the button.
but all the voices sounded robotic. And so we programmed that the whole lab to simultaneously say, I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. Um, and also just, say, just, or you just say, I am the way prepare for salvation. No, <laughs> we, th- we also did Roxanne, which was funny. Or <laughs> can you imagine oh. an entire lab of robot voices singing Roxanne? You do not have to put on your red light, Roxanne. It was, Roxanne, we were hol- you do not have to put on your red light, Roxanne. We are really funny, okay? We were really, yeah. were. really, really funny. Um, really bored. Um, okay, I think I've been a minute since I've. I think and we're if good. We go now we're like hitting like regular time. So let me go ahead. Isn't Sting kind of robotic anyway? Uh, look, I, I don't know. I just thought it was <laughs> look really. His, look funny. at his acting. <laughs> I mean, so he was on the Game Awards, Jeff Keighley's Game Awards this year, doing a song from some League of Legends thing that he did, and I really liked uh, it. Um, I have some fond uh, Sting I like memories. the police, but I like the police, but. Um, you good, Scott? Don't want to give me an edit point. Okay. Um, this is going to be extremely loud for me, but hopefully not for y'all. 